Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what's up, everybody? We are back at it now with a new guest to discuss something. I actually put together a list, and we'll intro our guest here in a second, but I put together a list real quick of the things that could potentially go wrong just off the top of my head. This is a matter, I'm pretty sure I thought about this for a grand total of 15 seconds, perhaps. But in about 15 seconds, I came up with all the things that could go wrong on our boat hunt that could potentially harm us and maybe kill us. Uh, I thought broadhead arrow slice or puncture, falling out of the boat in shallow rushing water with blunt trauma, uh, falling out of tree stands or saddles, broken bones, you know, fractures, knife cuts, getting stuck with a fishing hook, infections, uh, falling in the river and taking on a lot of water in the lungs, illnesses that would result in excessive vomiting and um, reverse vomiting. And, and that was just a few of the things. Also, let's point out the fact Mark is working on what seems to be potentially a torn quad right now. A little bit, yeah. Which could present some issues. Yeah, I might be a little bit gimpy for that hunt. And your elk hunt, it's like, no. Pretty much, that's yeah, <laughs> like in a couple days. Well, that's just it. I've got the elk hunt between that hunt, which I'm going to go on, yeah. which hopefully knock on wood, right. I continue to heal Nothing up. Nothing heals a quad like overexertion on an it, elk That's hunt. what they yeah. say when I've been looking up online, yeah. 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 So the reason why I'm bringing up all these things is not to sound like, uh, not to sound like team mom here of, you know, oh, you're going to poke your eye out. Uh, but actually because we wanted to make sure that going into this adventure, we knew a little bit about how to maybe save ourselves should the event of a traumatic injury or, or situation occur. So we've got DJ Strunts sitting across from me right now. Also, you, you probably already heard the voices of Mark and Eric. And uh, DJ is with North American Rescue. He's actually been on the podcast once before, so that's a super cool one. Uh, you should go back and check it out if you haven't yet. But... He is going to be a, a vital Yoda of, of information for us <laughs> right now. No pressure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, helping us figure out essentially how we can stay safe. Hopefully we never have to use any of the stuff that he's going to tell us. But DJ, one thing before we get into this too, I also want to get at. At the time of this recording, we're in early slash mid-September, uh, you came up from the Carolinas. Yep. You braved the weather, actually, and, and just flew in not long ago, again, as we're recording here. Uh, what all's been going down? In fact, this might even be somewhat fitting, because we're talking about a water adventure. You've been dealing with water all over the place. What, what's what been going on? Well, we just sat through Hurricane Dorian, which, uh, as the listeners would have observed, decimated the Bahamas, and then <sighs> Florida dodged a bullet, and... Where I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, we kind of dodged a bullet, too. We thought it was going to hit us as a cat, too, and it came really close. But it did spawn a bunch of tornadoes that had the family hiding in the bathroom wearing skate helmets and bike helmets and hunkered down, waiting for those things to pass through. Um, then it kept going north and smoked the southern outer banks. Uh, Ocracoke Island got really thrashed, and then it cruised on up to Canada, and the poor people of Nova Scotia ate it as a non-tropical Category 2 huh. storm, but same strength as a Category 2 hurricane. And I think they're still without power. It knocked out power to like 500,000 people in Nova Scotia. So There's was, a difference between just like 
a Category 2 storm and a, and a tropical Category 2 storm? It's just a cold core versus a warm core. So a hurricane oh. has a warm core, a non-tropical. A cyclone can be the same kind of wind strength and everything else, but it can transition from when they transition from a hurricane into a northern gale or whatever the you know the technical weather term is, they go to more of a cold base system. Hmm. Huh, okay. But yeah, lots Man. of pissed off weather. And then we had, trying to fly up here last night, I had a supercell on top of the airport with a tornado warning and sitting in a plane thinking I'm in a mobile home with wings. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not where you want to be when a tornado is yeah. rushing through. But we made you, it up. You said that that one even uh, surprised your weatherman. It's, it's a guy you've been working with forever for your surf stuff. Yeah, so I spent 15 years at Surfing Magazine. That's kind of my background before North American. Um, so disclaimer, I'm not a special operations medic. I'm not a medic. I just have lots of smart friends who are. But uh, yeah, he'd been, he'd been my forecaster for chasing hurricanes for like 15 years. And now he lives across the street from my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And he was on the phone with me through a lot of this stuff. And last night he called me on the way home. He was driving home from work when his warning went off because he had just left the forecast office and National Weather Service. And he's like, well, that's just what we don't need. Another one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I'm blaming you for this. I'm like, you moved down here and now we have tornadoes. We didn't have those before. So shoot, man. So you guys used to when you were doing the surfing stuff, the, the hurricanes brought better waves. Is they that do what? bring so, better waves. So yeah. people chase the hurricanes out for better waves. Yeah, my job was to take surfers and be in the best possible spot to take advantage of the conditions before they deteriorated and became life threatening. So oh, okay. we'd go sit in front of the hurricane. And then get out at the last possible second Jeez, to dodge man. it. So I did that a lot. Did you get out at the last possible second, or is that why you stayed in and you've got a pretty good gash on the back of your I head right now? I went surfing the day before the hurricane hit us, and uh, my surfboard followed me and hit me in the back of the head and gave me Yee. a nice gaping gash in the Dang. top of my skull. Shredding the gnar out there, man. Yeah, it was kind of silly. My son was pretty annoyed with me because he had to leave his surf session to go with dad and go get sewed up. So <laughs> ruined his session. The, uh, yeah. The rescue dad, everything. dad, the, dad, the rescue guy. Cooked it. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the rescue guy is the one, uh, is the one needing, needing yeah, some assistance yep. with and the that's bleeding. A, that's an important thing. You know, I always preach that at, at guys in the military, wherever you never know when your medic's going to be the guy that's hurt. So even if you have a paramedic with you on a trip, what happens if it's the paramedic that's the guy that yeah. is incapacitated? So it's always good to, you know, teach each other, train, practice. We'll have to make sure we relay all this information we're getting here over to Nate, the video guy who's going to follow us on the boat. Mm-hmm. Because inevitably what will happen is DJ will make us all basically special forces medics here in this <laughs> podcast. In yeah. 40 minutes. And in, in, a matter, <laughs> yeah, in a matter of probably a half an hour down the river, we'll all get knocked unconscious on the water and he'll have to save us, but he won't know what to do. So we should probably make sure he kind of he gets that. We'll have, a, we'll have him give it a listen. Yeah, we'll give him the spark notes. Yeah, You can use him as a training dummy. Yeah. That's who you can practice on. Perfect. He'll learn by observation. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got here in front of us, too, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, DJ brought some of his own sort of uh, rescue equipment or or good equipment to have on an adventure like this. And this is a pretty sweet thing. So, you know, plug for North American Rescue here right now on on the podcast. But you'll see there's this Pelican case. It looks like it's waterproof and everything. This is what DJ recommended for us to be taking on our adventure. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, it's got kits in here that say bleed on it. It's got wound cleaning, bandages, splinting, you know, if somebody breaks something. It's got an eye kit. It's got burn tech. It, 
all kinds of cool stuff. And hopefully DJ can can all can lay it all out. <laughs> Help us figure out how to navigate yeah, this it's, thing. It's actually pretty simple stuff. Um but the big thing is to avoid having to use it to begin with. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I think nobody wants to go on an adventure planning to fail. And I know you guys are putting a lot of planning into this trip. So the question becomes, you know, are you thinking about the little things? I sent you a PDF yesterday with a, a checklist from the National Park Service on things to think about when you go on a boating trip. Yeah. But a lot of it's just basic common sense. But some of it's just the little details like, hey, are we going to file a float plan so that people know where we're going to be at certain points along the way? Oh, write that down. Float yep. That's, that's probably float uh, plan's a good important. starting point to so, do. Yeah. So the <laughs> it's funny because we were just talking with the hunting public guys and we were all over the map. Like, are we going to try and race down the whole river on the first day to do all our scouting and mm-hmm. then go all the way back up and then make our way down slowly, or are we going to try and just inch our way down? We don't even know yet. I think yeah. what we're going to do. So probably should get that squared so, away. So then I think a big a big thing too, military guys call it a pace plan. Your primary, your alternate, your contingency, and your emergency. Okay. Good way to think about this is primary is what's the easiest thing to do. So let's say we're talking about communications. Your easiest thing might be your cell phone because that's what you, you know, convenient. Can I call to get help? Because along these lines, if, if you get hurt somewhere, how are you going to if somebody's really hurt, how are you going to get help to them, right? So let's say just communication. So you have your cell phone as your primary. Your second would be, you know, whether that's an in route or a spot or something mm-hmm. that can get a message out, your emergency one, uh, you know. Flares. Flares. Yep. You want to have, yeah, you want to be able to have visual and audio signal signaling that you can use day and night, you know, so flares work great. Is audio like your phone or like, like a whistle or, or, or oh, like a just whistle. something okay, to get yeah. somebody's, you mm-hmm. know, attention? And then things like you think you're going hunting. What color are you going to be wearing? Camo. Probably, yeah, if we're going bow hunting, camo. So if you call and they launch a helicopter to come find you, how easy is it going to be for them to find you? So little look things like... Look for the like, camo guys. <laughs> yeah, look for the camo guy in the woods. This is like just a aircraft identification panel <laughs> or an orange poncho or, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. up in Alaska... I. Got to do some stuff with with the PJs up there, and you know they love hikers and backcountry people that have bright colored clothing. You know when right. they're when they're working downrange, they're all in multicam. When they're home doing civilian search and rescue, those guys are bright. They look like they came straight out of the brightest section of REI or whatever. Their their clothing oh, right, is right. all super bright, so you can yep. spot them. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So along with your camouflage, you know, have the ability to be able to get visual signaling. Because that's important, be able to be mm-hmm. seen when you want to be, obviously. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We're 11 minutes in, and I already, like, I'm, like, float plan, literally pace. taking notes. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say, so one thing I have done along those lines of being visible, and it has come in handy, and I have used it, even if I don't plan on wearing it the whole time, mm-hmm. um, I'll oftentimes throw, if I know I'm going to be hunting with other people, and we might be separated or whatever, I'll throw in a blaze orange hat in my pack, and yeah. then it's come in handy just because it is kind of the highest point on your body, and it is blaze orange, so it has hmm. come in handy and been pretty visible. Yeah. Hmm. Why did, can I ask real quick, this is like pretty far off topic, but why is it that when you go rifle gun deer hunting around here in Wisconsin and in many places, you wear blaze orange, but then when you go bow hunting, you don't wear blaze orange. Why, again, is it? I think it's, it has to do a little bit with the... Marketing. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. The the distance, right? You know, bow hunting is generally fairly close distances yeah. where you're going to be hopefully have a very, very, very positive ID on your target. If you're rifle hunting, you better have a very, 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 very positive ID on your target as well. Number of people. You're Number talking 500,000 versus, you know, give it, I would... I'd say about a hundred thousand ish. Uh, it's tough to say what Wisconsin's bow hunter numbers are. Exactly, so you're basically but, saying yeah. that there's like five times more gun, way more, hunters. way more gun gun hunters, and mm, okay. the effective range of the weapon. You know, yeah. if you, like you said, if you're if you're taking a shot with your bow, you're shooting like thirty yards. If you're taking a shot with your gun, it's between a hundred and three hundred, whatever. Yeah. There might be something in between you and the target, or beyond that that you're not believe you have a clear shot right but you know if somebody was like let's say they're in blaze orange and they're sitting on the ground and all of a sudden you're like whoa i can see some blaze orange yeah. between yeah. you know in the brush beyond where that deer is yeah. mm-hmm. so, so this is I, the question though it's can a the good deer thing. tell the difference between blaze exactly. orange camouflage at close range so why wouldn't all camouflage be blaze orange that's what you're asking right yeah i was thinking like if you just if you happen to be wearing blaze orange while bow hunting would it ruin the hunt Absolutely not. I don't. Hundred yeah, percent not. How many people do you think just threw the radio out of their car right now? Every Brit- every Brit- marketing executive at First Light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Brittany, uh, Brittany's not in the room right now. But last time I said radio, she got mad at me because she said nobody uses radios anymore. <laughs> I listen to it. I, it's still. I don't know what else to call it. It's a radio. Yeah. Um, oh, you did bring up a really good point about headgear. Yeah. Because as dorky as you know, when I said my kids wore helmets during this thing. If you guys are going to go through shallow water or just in rivers in general, wear a bump helmet. Hmm. Pretty much the whole thing. Because if your if your head gets knocked, game set match. You can drown. You know, y- you were talking. You said a lot of people drown in the river, even though it seems like a fairly placid river. Um, yeah. Oh, that was. I'm sorry. That was the original river we were going to go on, but then uh, Eric ruined it because yep. Eric didn't want to give up a spot. Yep. Um, but I would venture to guess that probably. <laughs> yep. Um, We've yeah. made that known in literally every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even this one has a lot, like, so the the river that we were looking at is a notorious, like, really dangerous river. I think, I don't know the statistics on it, but I know every year there's people on that river that end up, you know, dead. Oh, wear it, your personal it, flotation yep. device. And that's what I was... Wear a bump helmet. Yeah. Like, those are, like, that's the simplest way. Because what, on a river... What you see is the surface, right? Yeah. And what's underneath the surface, you don't know. So if you're underneath the surface, you're getting potentially caught in strainers or, you know, whatever you want to call strainers, sweepers. You know, there's all sorts of tree limbs that could be down there that can yeah. grab onto you. There's hydraulics that get involved with rocks and the, wa- the way water flows around them. Yeah, weird currents and stuff. Yeah, and if you're floating on top of that, you can mitigate a lot of the issues that would be if you're down in it so wear your pfd wear a helmet what kind of pfd do you recommend i i mean for what you guys are doing i think a big bright orange old school yeah. horse collar for sure okay yeah. i'm totally yeah. being sarcastic no oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna t- i am like the least aquatic person on the planet no so yeah i was i, I was I'm, just fake writing that can, down. yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah no. I wasn't writing <laughs> <laughs> no, not the not the old school. My my son gets so embarrassed when he has to wear one of those in the boat. If he forgets his normal jacket, because under twelve you have to wear a life jacket in North Carolina in the boat, and he forgot it the other day, and he had to wear his big orange old school thing, and he was so embarrassed. He was just like, I'm, "Don't go near the beach." <laughs> yeah, um, you know, blaze orange yoke. Yeah. Yep. So I would just something simple like what the 
faster from, you know, one of those low profile ones that you just pull the handle yeah. and it inflates. So, mm-hmm. and the ones where you pull the handle, I've, so I've, I've looked at these for kayaking and a lot of times when I go fishing, I'm by myself. So I ended up getting one of the, um, like pressurized ones. Yeah. And it's where, like, if, you know, if you knock yourself out, yep. as soon as that gets wet, it, like, auto-inflates. So, obviously, yep. we have what people What happens around. if water splashes on it? Uh, it? It takes a lot of water. Just get your buddy with a super soaker. Yeah. Just be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like laser tag, but instead of just yep. trying to aim for the little lights on his chest, you're aiming for the little sensor. Exactly. <laughs> but, well, yeah. Cut it out. Cut yeah. it out, guys. Is it like one of those, like, kind of horse collar or suspender yeah. design ones yeah. in there? Super low profile. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's perfect. Yep. You're so yeah, the yeah. idea then is that if you get KO'd. Yeah, and wearing a bump helmet or a skate, you know, like just a protect helmet will help mitigate the fact, you know, because the last I've thing you want to do is for rollerblading. I don't um, have one of those. There you go. Boom. I'm already done. Mark, you gotta get a helmet. I've got a PFD. Well, that's a start. I don't I'll have float, one of those. At least I'll float after I bump my head. Yeah, I don't have <laughs> <laughs> Those are just sort of some that's a do not leave the beach without kind of equipment. Yeah. Generally speaking, like we've talked a little bit about, I mean, in that, in that podcast we did previously, and also it pertains to this, we've talked about the importance of having a tourniquet on you and things like that. So if you're, if your appendages or extremities start bleeding and we can even talk more about that. But one thing uh, that I've kind of wondered, you actually just experienced this. Let's say Mark doesn't get a helmet or he forgets it or whatever, which You've lost your glove a time or two. Don't lose your helmet. Uh, let's say, let's hope he doesn't lose his helmet. But Just let's the say left for whatever one reason, because that's when my release goes on my right, right, right hand. Somebody gets clocked in the head, and they're bleeding a lot, like you were, for example. What are you doing in that case? Like, there's no tourniquet for your head, right? Well, how much do you like your friend? <laughs> Just tourniquet the neck and walk away. Tourniquet the neck, walk away. Tourniquet the neck, walk away. The That's Rick's Kwondo right there. Good news uh, is the bleeding stopped. Yeah. Odds are just gone up in my favor that I'm going to get the buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just direct pressure, really, and then a, a pressure dressing. You yeah. Know? And if it's a serious TBI, that's one of those do not pass go. You're done. If somebody has a serious head injury, they've lost consciousness. You're not waiting around to see how it plays out. The hunt's over. You're going home. You know, yeah. get them to help as quickly as possible. Yeah. And those are the criteria. Like going into it, you need to know. Like you brought up a great point of him having a hurt leg. Know what injuries or pre-existing conditions everybody in the hunting right. party sure. has, so you know. Okay, well, Uncle Buck has a heart condition. Yeah. Do we have his meds? You know, like what are we? Uh potentially looking at going into this on the front end not oh crap uncle uh, yeah why does he look so funny i was i was right. just hunting with mike over the weekend we set up our ground blind like oh my God. five perfect feet example. away yeah this oh, is a perfect geez, example yeah. five feet from a very active beehive and he kept bringing up like oh these bees are right there and i like wasn't really that worried about it then at the end of the day he's like hey i don't know if i told you this but uh, i'm allergic to bees that's a big deal didn't have his epipen <laughs> yeah that's a big deal so, Yee. perfect example. Yeah. yeah. So those sort of things are are huge, and and being okay with saying, you know, like think about a river. What happens? Your weather right on top of you influences what's right on top of you, right? But in a river, weather upstream influences the flow rate downstream. Oh, so you got to be you got to be thinking about of what's happening up north, essentially. Up north, not just where you're at, because if all of a sudden the river goes to flood stage while you're enjoying pretty weather down below. Yeah. Your life is going to be dramatically changed. So have, you know, an eye on that sort of stuff and be okay with saying we're going to have to postpone the trip because of weather, you know, because right. 
you know, the, one of the big things that's going to get you is exposure. If you fall in and you're cold and you can't start a fire, that's a big deal. Hypothermia is a big deal, you know, especially oh, yeah. for what you guys are, are looking at doing. And that's why I brought some little reminders like, you know, have yeah, a, what's this thing? a magnesium fire starter, steel, and a fixed blade knife. You can't go wrong with starting a fire that way. It works every time, whether it's wet. It just is a no-brainer. How does that work? You said with a fixed blade, how does that work? You just scrape off a little magnesium and strike it on the flint. And oh, okay. So it's a it's a fire starter. Works every time method. You know, a lighter... So work when it's wet? Yeah. Wow. A lighter won't always do that. Um, having a, a source of tinder so that you can actually put that into something that'll start. Uh, we call this stuff fat lighter. It's the, you know, when a pine tree dies, all the sap kind of sinks down into the base of the tree. And this stuff is like almost like gasoline soaked wood because it has all that sap inside of here and you just Hmm. shave off some of these pieces and it burns unbelievably. You can do the, I mean... That's crazy cool. I've never actually seen that before. Yeah, Yeah. It's like a small little... It feels almost waxy block of wood. And, you know, there's... One of my friends that was an Alaska guy, they'd always just take one of their empty beer cans Mm -hmm. and they had gas engines on their boats. They'd put a little bit of gas just oh, a little right. bit in the bottom and then put a wick you know roll up a, a napkin or a piece of cloth put it down inside bury that and then light the wick and it would just keep pulling you know access a wick so then they build their fire around that to start their fire every day kind of oh that is super smart that is way smart now you don't want to take a whole can of gas and be like okay yeah, molotov yeah. cocktails boys i mean yep. like, bourbon woods it can you know it's probably happened more than once um poof yeah. no eyebrows <laughs> and then burns and then that's a whole nother i may world. have seen too much airplane gas used one time yeah <laughs> it was impressive uh, it'll make a fire quite a pyrotechnic show yes i do love yeah fire techniques you know what you're saying with the beer can there it it kind of reminds me um just as a for whatever reason i was looking at stoves and i was doing research and they're like oh you can make an an alcohol stove out of a pop can so i made an alcohol stove out of a pop can but it was wild how fast that would burn and actually kind of how efficient of a stove you can it's kind of like a jet boil yeah i'm so proud of you that you made something (laughs) i know and it worked yeah normally i feel like "Ah, yeah i'll just buy one that's I mean that's still how I'd go about oh, okay. it. But um so with the, that with that fat wood though, would you like carve pieces of yeah, that you just take and then make yeah. tender with yep. it? So okay. you just take your you know, a oh, fixed blade knife is just so useful. Thing. Yeah, you just take off a few slivers of it. Um a really thing neat thing I learned I I saw some wizards make fire in Alaska. The they had a when I was up with the PJs doing their survival training, they had one of their seer Specialist, which is a survival, evasion, evasion, resistance, and escape. Yeah. So that's an MOS or military occupational specialty in the Air Force. And that's all they do is teach that stuff. So this is like an Alaska wilderness survival expert. Oh, my gosh. Which I am by no means. I'm just, he's smart. I'm, Rob is an awesome seer specialist. So we're sitting there in the middle of the Alaska rainforest, and it is pouring rain. And we found an old cabin that was broken down. So we turned, you know, take, be an opportunist. Like, don't. You know, we're out in the forest, supposed to be doing survival training. Here's an old boarded up cabin. We ripped the doors off that thing so fast and moved inside. Like, why go make yourself miserable if you can take advantage of something that's already there, right? Right. But then to make fire, uh, it was funny because right after we broke into the fishing games cabin, fishing game randomly showed up. Like, they hadn't been there. And, you know, all of a sudden here they are in their little boat. And they're like, <laughs> you guys think you're going to start fire? <laughs> they just started laughing and left. They're like, nobody, you can't start a fire in this. And Rob's like, oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> That sounds like one of those guys. Yeah. So we put up a tarp and then 
something that a lot of people overlook is having a full-size axe. And all the Alaska boys carry a full-size axe, not a little hatchet, mm-hmm. but a full-size axe because they went out and they chopped, You're carrying that, Mark. They chopped yep. down dead trees because in that driving rain, everything gets, every, all your tinder, everything's soaked. But the heartwood of the tree is the one part that's, that it won't, can't penetrate to. So they mm-hmm. chopped down these dead fir trees that were, you know, just the old snagged, you know, the whited out, you know, dead trees, hauled them underneath their tarp and chopped them down to get to that heartwood. And about an hour later, we had a roaring fire for the rest of the week in pouring rain. Wow. That is awesome. Uh, and, and you even bring up the idea of a tarp, too. Yeah. I never yep. would have thought of a tarp. Tarp is super I mean, multi-purpose things. That's what you want to have. Are we going to yep. have that? Because we'll be having tents. We're going to be camping. Yeah, I think we should bring minimum one and probably a couple tarps. Um, are these cover. like are these like the just like cheap tarps that you get? You got to get like a waterproof one specifically, or I think just standard blue grommeted tarp. Yep, that's all they had. Yeah, they had that and an yeah. old parachute. But you know, I mean, you can make a tarp. You can sh- do shelter all with sorts them. Of stuff. Uh, you can keep the rain off you while it's almost. I think it provides is a you know somewhat of a reflective. Yep device for heat, you know, because yeah. you can put your fire in front of it. When uh, right, if you have a large tarp that's like blue, yep. a non-natural blue, that's another visual cue potentially. Yep. Absolutely. When we were coming off the mountain on Prince of Wales, um, Jesse and I bombed down the mountain and we did it at a pretty good clip and we looked for my buck all morning that, you know, we've talked about before, got taken by the bears. We we're just find, trying to find at least parts of it to recover it and bring it back. But did and it found really? Found nothing. And, uh, but didn't, didn't I never thought of asking that question. Did you actually shoot a buck? Yes. I've got the pictures, and I've got pictures of the bear poop with deer hair in it. I got pictures. But uh, anyway, we came off the mountain. Not Geo. And we were, we were wet, and I, I didn't pack. I, did, I didn't have much water on the start of the trip. I was like, oh, I'll just filter water on the way down. And then we were just like in a hurry, didn't filter water, didn't really eat anything that day. And when we got to the bottom, I was cold, I was wet, I was tired, I was dehydrated. And it was kind of a perfect storm. And we got to the bottom. I said, I go, Jesse, I'm getting cold. And we'd, luckily, we had stashed some clothes at the lake. So I had clothes in a dry bag. We had extra food at the lake. You know, it was kind of like a contingency plan slash backup, whatever. And uh, but that's, so he had, a, he had a tarp. So got in dry clothes, put the tarp up. Got a fire started, and within 20 minutes, I was hot, and I was peeling off layers, and I was mm-hmm. good, and I got some food in my system, and all was right in the world again. But it, it was it was interesting. Is that, is that the body's natural reaction when you start getting into one of those situations? You get cold. I think I just was cold. I don't. Oh, know. you just I mean, okay. you're, you're wet. You know, you lose body heat. What is it like 15 to one compared to air when you're wet? Wow, it's, it's seven or 50. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember offhand, but it's crazy. Yeah, but that tarp, thermal value. Okay, when you're wet, you're shedding heat really fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that tarp, dry clothes, and a fire, and some food. Yeah, I mean, that's a and that's a huge part to wilderness survival. Is exactly it's just your basic stuff. It's you know being able to get dry, get warm. You know, having a way to heat water so that you can't you know even take in you know if somebody's really cold, drinking warm liquids. You know, so you get heat coming from that side too. Okay, hmm. rather than just passively, you know, by stopping heat loss, adding heat back into the body. So yeah, calories, warm, warm fluids, that sort of thing. So you brought up filtering water. And one thing that confuses me about filtering water slash maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of when people talk about boiling water, when it comes to water that people use for making like 
food sometimes, like the freeze-dried stuff or whatever, where mm-hmm. you pour it into boiling water and you kind of make like a porridge of sorts. I've heard people discuss that, and they talk about boiling the water and then putting the food in, and then they'll eat it. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes they'll talk about boiling the water, and they wouldn't drink the boiled water, but maybe they would drink filtered water. There's Is there a difference between filtered and just boiled water? Like, if you had to, in an emergency situation, you didn't have water on you, you had to get water from nature, essentially, how are you doing it? What What's the way? For me, personally, I travel, well, this is a, I work with a nonprofit called Waves for Water. They're actually in the Bahamas right now doing work. And this is one of the filter systems they use. And you literally just take a five-gallon bucket and cut a hole in the side of it, or any bucket, thread this back on there, and your gravity flow filter, and this gets all your bacteria, everything out. It doesn't get do viruses, but the flow rate's awesome. Like, we do this as a village system or a family system. So I'll travel with that, and I've done relief missions to Myanmar, Philippines, a bunch of places with them after natural disasters using these filters. And as part of the demonstration, because you have this language barrier, you show up, you're the Americans in this village of people that have never seen Americans. Why would they trust you? Yeah. So we'll take the nastiest water source they have, which is always, you know, pretty gross, and we'll pour it in the bucket and filter it through and down that water in front of them. It you, always works. You've done that? I've done that in the Philippines, Myanmar. I mean... And you drank poo water. Poo water. Well, not poo water. I'm not going for... I don't want viruses. Okay. I don't want I hepatitis. You said not viruses. Not yeah, viruses. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking, too. I'm not going, I'm not going straight to... I was, the, my mind immediately went to Slumdog Millionaire yeah. when he falls... You know, anyway... But that's a, uh, you know, I keep that in my hurricane prepared. Now, this is actually a lot of the stuff that I brought was in my hurricane kit. I just grabbed it because. Nice. Because you were already carrying it. Because I was already carrying it. It was already out with the family. Okay. So with this system, because I've got, I've got a couple different filter systems. And one of them I know doesn't necessarily, like, it works great if the water's pretty clear. Yeah. But it doesn't work great if you have a lot of, like, solid particulates or, like, really muddy water or things like that. The nice thing with this is you can take it off the system and then it comes with a syringe and you put the syringe in here and back flush it and blast out all the particulate stuff. So it starts clogging up, you just back flush it and you're back in business. But it generally does a pretty good job even if it's got... I mean, I've drank literally off of it in third world countries. That was our only water source and you're drinking water that if I drank it otherwise, I would have had dysentery or or something nasty for sure. How do you know that it doesn't have viruses in it? You know, like how do you most know water sources don't, viral stuff? Usually, the people know viruses are usually like endemic to an area in the water system, and people, the local people, know like it's been here a long time. In a lot of the third world countries, they're like people have been sick; they they'll avoid those sources like a plague. Oh, but what they don't, what this comes into play a lot is young young children and older people don't have their guts aren't accustomed or they don't have the resistance to a lot of the bacteria that like a healthy adult might have yeah. in that culture. And those are the people that are getting really hammered by the waterborne sicknesses. And that's where this is a game changer because suddenly those kids are making it instead of dying of dysentery or yeah. know, cholera, you know, all those sorts of things that really hammers little people. You know, we were just talking to Jerry Mitchell and he had a buddy who was one of the, I don't want to say he invented it, but he was one of the original adopters, one of the original, even maybe even you'd call it marketers of bulletproof vests. 
and he was he was marketing them to some of the police departments in Detroit. And he would put on the vest and he would shoot himself. He would just like that sounds get, like what you see on the Russian videos, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would just he would just get oh, comrade. Yeah, on yeah. this. Sorry, I shot you in the leg. That's how he would. That's how he would demonstrate. I'm having a hard time thinking to myself which I would rather do: drink what the water that it sounds like you've drank, which I get that it sounds like this filter is phenomenal, it, 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 but it still freaks me out. I, I don't Can know. Can we I, mention the brand? Waves for Waves for Water. You already did. Yeah, Waves for Water is the nonprofit that you can go online, and the cool thing with them, if if you buy filters, it, it, the money goes back into buying more filters for other places. Oh, so. we should we should totally get some of these bad boys, but I I can't determine whether I'd rather go to a third world country and drink out of a filter like that, which I, again I get totally should work, but it still freaks me out, or shoot myself with a bulletproof. Yeah, vest I'm going with the filter. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I've done. I mean, I I've never shot myself, so I can't speak from experience on that one. But it's a little, you know, the first time you do it, you're like, I hope this works. Fingers <laughs> crossed. That's what things that I can't see freak me out. Yeah. Well, and I think like on a trip like ours, right? Where yeah. I mean, uh, the boat's gonna be. We have a big boat, but we still got to talk to DJ about the boat. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that. But it's gonna be packed. But I think we do have room for. I mean, you talk about like a five gallon bucket or, or yeah. less. I you mean, just have a you know whatever you need to filter into your personal. Water containers, right? Right. Yeah. And I just I don't think like our camps aren't going to be that far away from the river, so you just go in, get a bucket boom, of water, get a bucket of water, throw it at your camp, and it you've got sense. water to yeah. cook yeah. with or whatever. And so. This thing isn't particularly huge at all; it fits in the bucket. Yep. Now, so are you filtering? So you're just filtering this, like when you're ready to drink water, do you just open this up like a tap and go? Yeah, you just when you're ready, like when a, you want water, you just it's like a water bottle top. Just okay, open it up. And she starts flowing, huh? Just flows right through. You just have, you know, just gravity flow. Where does where does the boiling come into play? Back boiling, you question. have to, you have to. It's the same. This works like my son described it. It was awesome. We were on a a, a trip in Honduras, and he was explaining this to a village of fishermen, and he explained it like a fishing net that catches the bacteria. And I was like, he was, yeah, perfect. five at the time, but he that's how he his brain understood it. It's like a fishing net, dude. When that's you how talk about works. your son, I swear he's in a, like an adult, but he's eleven. He's now. my little buddy. Yeah. Um, but now he's starting to act like a teenager. And <laughs> we get, I'm just like, oh, child. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. But when you boil it, it kills that off. So you need to. You can't just bring it to a boil and say it's good. Oh, okay. A, a real, true survival expert would be able to tell you exactly how long you're supposed to boil your water. I'm not that person, so it's, fair. it's on the internet. Google it. How long you need to boil your? While you're talking, I'll your do water. Real fast. I'm gonna go with two minutes. Three minutes. All rules right. of three seems to be yeah. Three um, minutes. I meant. I'm going to go with three, but it's probably going to be, like, a lot longer than we expect. So So would this work in, like, because I I, I talked to a a game warden in South Dakota where they have a lot of, like, cattle in the water. And there, obviously, is fecal matter runoff. Would this work in that kind of stuff, too? Bacteria, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. (sighs) Okay. Most health organizations, including the Center for Disease Control, recommend that you boil water vigorously for one minute, up to elevations of 2,000 meters, which is also 6,562 feet, and three minutes at elevations higher than that. Interesting. You're guaranteed to be safe from Giardia and crypto if you follow those guidelines. We're going three minutes, and yeah. we're not going to be Who cares that, that we're in Wisconsin <laughs> at 900 feet? We're going three. Well, I mean, the nice thing is, though, like, let's say you're making a dehydrated meal, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, something from Off Grid or Mountain House or whatever. I mean, I... 
I guess my general practice. I thought you guys killed what you eat. <laughs> well, that's the plan. Well, yeah. <laughs> the original plan was to go. I think we mentioned this before, but the original plan was to go in with no food and try and figure out our food situation. Then we, then we immediately looked at our skill set and said, you know what? Let's bring some food. Right. Yeah. But you're kind of doing double duty. Like you get a nice filter in, you know, and the, it's going to yep. filter out like some solid, you know, the floaties, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, yep. make some more pleasurable drinking experience. And then, uh, then you boil it and should be. You know, I yeah, think this is. Go. I mean, this changed the game in Haiti after the earthquake with their cholera outbreaks. Oh, okay. um, they they went. They did a huge implementation of filter systems there. So, yeah, John was another pro server that started this. He was he was in Indonesia when the earthquakes happened, and nobody had clean water, and everybody was getting infected wounds from Ugh. the aid stations because the aid stations were pouring dirty water into wounds. Oh. So he was like, "I have a water filter," and he he had like a few of them with him. And he set them up at the aid station so they could use them. They're primarily using them to irrigate wounds because what you know, if you get a cut in the backwoods, same thing. You don't want to be pouring dirty water in there because okay, you're just introducing bacteria into a great place to thrive. So instead, if you just irrigate it with yeah. clean water, suddenly wow. people are doing much better. Wow, which side, is an important thing for you guys too. Side note: some of your stuff. I remember you mentioned this. It, it was like we were just chatting one time. It wasn't on the podcast, but some of your stuff. When it comes to disinfecting, and I think it even had an application in the old Wild West with horses and water, ah, something like that. Silver, silver. Yep. What doesn't silver out? Silver also? is a great, yeah. In the old West, they'd put a bar of silver in their water source because it kills bacteria. It's a natural. Well, you talk about uh, modern clothing. I was just going to say nowadays. that. Yeah, lined, uh, lined with silver. Yep. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Where do you guys shop? Under, let's see, in bandages, I think in there there's a couple of silver lung bandages. I'm almost sure they are. They're impregnated with with silver ions. We're in the, uh, what are we in? Which we're this in is the, the bandages, bandages kit, kit right now. Yeah. They were in here. We'll see if they change. I, oh, there's one right there. It's a variety. Do they also have, like, uh, scent reduction properties to them? No, Eric, don't. <laughs> no, no, I know seriously. what you're thinking. They, no, because it kills is. bacteria. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I yeah. know what you're thinking. Eric's going to be, be getting a whole bunch of these and rubbing oh. them all over. Those things are already do it. expensive. That's just one little bandage about. like that. It's yeah. crazy how much yeah. they cost. It. Wow. Actually, just well, the cost of a, goods. You're making a bandage with a precious metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might is, as well be coins. That's wild. Look at that thing. That's not your scent lock, Eric. Dude, they already do it. That's what they do, Jim. It is. Is that seriously? 100% Well, it's not scent lock. It's not the He's trying to get those... Apparel com- companies back on board after we just said yeah, you should exactly. just hunt. Who okay, <laughs> yeah. cares right, about right, it? Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's wild. So in this kit, switching gears here a little bit. In this kit, we've got bandages, which we're looking at now. What's See this? That thing? What's the survival wrap thing? It's bright orange. That is. So say you fall into the river, you get hypothermic. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's a. Sur- these are oh, a more okay. robust. It's kind of like, it's just a a different version of that. So. Uh, it's a, a mummy bag that is oh I've seen reflects your heat back into you, so you're not losing wow. heat to the yeah. environment. It's a shiny orange thing. I like that they made and it it's orange. orange on the outside. And it's, it's silver on the inside. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's silver so on the inside, shiny, and it's designed to reflect. Yeah. So you see these. Uh, sometimes, oh, the uh, athletes who swim in really cold areas will wear these things or whatever after they're done, right? Yeah, we used to have wetsuits lined with titanium to help reflect heat back Holy crap. into our wetsuits. That's got to be an expensive Wild, wetsuit. man. Yeah, they were titanium-lined on the free-diving suits that we drive in. Dude, that's nutty. Yeah, because heat is light. So, or light is heat. Heat is light. No, heat is light. It just got deep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
You can feel sounds. I don't really know what you're saying, but I think I'm going to get that tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) You guys are living on. (laughs) But if you're reflecting. Questionable mushrooms (laughs) and venison. (laughs) (laughs) But if you reflect, anyway, it's shiny, it's reflecty. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, probably similar to like a space, people talk about a space blanket. Exactly what that is. But this looks like. It's a little heavier duty. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's like a mummy bag. Yeah. Okay. I'm bad at organizing things. We'll put it back together. Okay. We'll put it back together. We have two bleed kits here. This yep. is the nice thing, too, about this kit is that it's a nice little waterproof pelican thing, but you can open it up, and you were saying that, let's say, we split up and we go our separate ways for a period of time to, you know, somebody's going to go try and get some ducks, somebody's going to go try and hunt deer, somebody's going to go try and, you know, uh, judo point some squirrels, <clears throat> me, and uh, then you can bring with you a yeah, bleed you just pull, kit. And these are all Velcroed in, so you just rip out a bleed kit, oh, okay. and it acts... Like an individual first aid kit for yeah. for major trauma. Like this would be just for your bleeding, but you have what's it got in it? You got quick clot. Thing? This is your your hemostatic gauze, so it promotes blood clotting. So instead of just using normal gauze, which is what I did with my head, yeah, this stuff actually helps your body form clots. So, so there's it's more there's, some, there's an agent in the gauze that's helping clot it. Yeah, corn, it's actually corn starch, Mark. Yeah, no, it's oh, it's actually from it's a derivative of clay. It's called kaolin. Um, there's, it's yeah, it's dirt basically. It's dirt impregnated gauze, but okay, sterile. Very rub some <laughs> dirt in it. Rub some dirt in it. They yeah. always say, grandpa always you know, change your socks. Rub some dirt in yep. it. He's a man ahead of his own time. Yep, yep. exactly. And then quick clot is a. Quick Clot is the brand name. It's yeah. it's made by Z-Medica. That's the so, dirt. Yeah, it's it. This is combat gauze. So in the civilian kit, it goes by Quick Clot. In the military kits, it's combat gauze. Okay. Um, okay. So you have that. You have two gauze packs: regular gauze, compressed gauze, which is, you know, great for packing wounds or wrapping people. You can, you know, if you guys want to turn each other into mummies out in the woods and wander around with your bows. I mean, that'd be sweet. You know, the Walking you have, Dead. A cat tourniquet, which I would recommend removing the plastic because when your hands are bloody and you decide you do and want it and it's, and it's all wrapped up in this nice oh, tight good... plastic, you can't get it. And then, you know, your hands are going to be bloody. And then what, how are you going to open it? You're going to use your teeth. Then you got, you know, his blood in your mouth. That's just a bad mm, thing. So yeah. Plus, I'm panicking. Every yeah. time I think of somebody's hands. So it's hands. a lot easier to have that off. Every time Take I think of somebody's there. hands being bloody, I think of that movie when the blood gets in the magazine of that gun, and they're like, spit and rub. It's jamming up because the blood is in the magazine. It's like, for some reason, you know, blood jams oh. magazines and Yeesh. guns. Hmm. Anyway, I remember. Sorry. I don't know. Movie Off that this was date remember. night with your wife that you were watching this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spit. <laughs> Never mind. Never <laughs> mind. Moving <laughs> along. So we're, we're talking about the bleed kit, and, the, and you brought up... on it. <laughs> you brought up... Uh, Oh, Thanks, man, I'm Eric. trying to we, switch gears. We, uh, we got the, the joke. <laughs> I'm trying my heart out. When you were talking about your head wound the other day, yep. you, talk, you brought up a couple, I think one of them might have been an acronym, and you were talking, you said a pressure... Emergency trauma dressing. Yeah. ETD. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Okay. Probably. Cool. So that's in here, too, and that's just... I have some more. We can, we'll open up and play with them uh, in a minute, but that's just basically a fancy ace bandage with a trauma pad in it. Okay. So you can add, it allows you to add pressure without having to hold pressure with your hands. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so then you kind of hands free and yeah. you go about doing things. So if you don't have something where, on it, the wound. where it's not an arterial bleed. So an arterial bleed means it's squirting bright red blood. Uh, I actually had 
an arterial bleed in my head because it cut an arterial in my Jeez. scalp. So I was pretty bloody. Oh, yeah. But uh, like you said earlier, tourniquet around the neck. My kid was all for it. You know, Jen was like, put it on. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I just used the direct pressure method. But you can always use a trauma dressing. Like last week and prior to the hurricane, my neighbor, who I hunt with all the time, comes running over to my house with his wrist gripped and his hand over his head. And he had been installing metal roofing on his house. And a piece slid and went right through his wrist and just missed his radial artery okay. by a millimeter or two. Blood started coming out. When he, he was able to control the bleeding, with his, you know, had it been deeper, it would have been a different... I would have probably gone to a tourniquet, but it wasn't squirting bright red blood. It was oozing blood. So oh, like, pass oh out. okay. So, <laughs> I know, right? I'm, getting, I'm feeling weird <laughs> now. My, I told him earlier, my... You know, when I cut my head, my wife was on a bike when my son called her and dad cut his head. She had to pull over to the side of the road because just the thought of bleeding makes her like she's like a fainting goat. That's all right. right. She was the just same like, way. Yeah. Mark, so who's going to okay? take care of you guys in the I'm, woods if somebody's bleeding? How do you guys dress? I, I will honestly just Nate, the video guy. <laughs> who's going to dress out the deer? Do you guys ever That's kill anything? For some reason, it's, for yeah, some reason, totally it's 100 percent different. Yeah. I will go like elbows deep in that thing. Yep. And yeah, I told you. I said this even before this podcast, and I've seen a few gnarly things, but, um, and they don't, uh, arterial bleeding and compound fractures are my two uh, bugaboos. Those are my bugaboos. Uh, you so, used to be on a fire department, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll get you. Yeah. So arterial bleeding, tourniquet. With his wrist, I used a pressure dressing because it wasn't so bad that I felt like he was going to, you know, I just used a pressure dressing, okay. stop the bleeding, right. send him on his way. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you wound So you could tell you were so, able to pretty much ascertain... Like, I guess via that it wasn't squirting. Yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't, you know, blood pouring out of him where I was like, oh, he's, you know, if I don't turn this off right away, we have a, you know, but with a direct pressure on something that's not a big arterial bleed, a pressure dressing and, or packing it with, you know, gauze is is the way to go. Because, you know, where does a tourniquet work? Only on arms and legs. If you Mm -hmm. have, you know, an injury that's not amenable to a tourniquet, what are you going to do? And that's where you get into you know, gauze and pressure dressings and things like that. Did he still go to the dock afterwards? Yeah, he went and got five stitches. He was mad because I got one more. He said, I one-upped him. (laughs) Six in the head. But yeah, falls and fractures are something you guys should be aware of. I mean, if you're going to be hunting in a tree stand. That's where the splinting kit would likely come into play, Splinting kit would come into play. It has... um, it has Sam splints in those, which are awesome. Can I pull it out? Oh, yeah, what's yeah. a Sam splint? I got a Sam splint right, oh, never mind. right here, so we don't have to dig it out. If I can reach it from the cord. Nope. Oh, here, maybe <laughs> I'll give you a little bit more slack. Yeah. Uh, and you can rip that one oh, wow. open. Yeah, just open can, the plastic. We can open yeah, this? Yeah. And basically that is a thin sheet of aluminum covered in like foam. foam. So it's a malleable splint, but the moment you put oh, a look, bend in it. it's got directions right on yep, it. Yep, it has directions like an MRE. right on it. Um, an MRE for broken bones. You can make a C collar if you're worried about. Oh wow! No you, kidding. Huh? You can impl- improvise all sorts of stuff with one of those things. You can have a one thing too falling out of a tree stand. Oh yeah! Look at that. Uh, I would be concerned if somebody fell about potential pelvic involvement, like somebody sure. broke their pelvis. You can take one of those, cut a slot with your knife in both ends, open it up like a girdle. Okay. Right. Cut a slot, slide your tourniquet through it, okay, and use your tourniquet to cinch it down and make a pelvic binder to keep that person's hip stable as you evacuate them. Because if you have a broken pelvis, 
all of your arteries, you know, your femorals run through oh, that. Yeah. So you have want to stabilize that. It's like so, the firewall of the car. Oh, yeah. So, so this just holds their pelvis together and you use the tourniquet to cinch it down. <laughs> I've never sweat so much on a podcast. A lot of sweating. Sorry, what I'm, like, I'm, I'm constantly, this is my life. It's like, yeah, yeah. My, no, it's a good. Dude, thing. if anybody follows you on Instagram, they know that this stuff is, yeah, this is your life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have to be completely honest. I mean, I definitely carry, I, I carry some essential items with me, like, you know, essential, essential oils, oils, mostly, That's, mostly the oils. I've heard. Uh, what happened there? Uh, <laughs> but I've been, like, uh, on a lot of my hunts, I've been rolling Are you the from dice. Portland? <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I've been rolling the dice, you know, and part of it is you kind of, like, you know, stick your head in the sand, be like, ah, oh, you know, nothing, it'll be fine, you know, and then, like, as we, it's, like, almost, like, as we talk about this stuff more, I'm getting, like, more nervous than if we yeah. had not talked about right. it. Yeah, because right. ignorance is bliss. Yes. You exactly. don't, yeah, you don't want to turn yourself into just, we, I think we discussed this a little bit on the last one, you don't want to turn yourself into no. somebody who's, like, uh, always walking around, like, uh, Oh, what's his face in the bench warmers? That one guy who keeps, uh, he's allergic to the sun and he never comes out. And he's always oh, hiding yeah. in the corner and yeah. he pees in a bottle and Napoleon Dynamite's yeah. character has to go empty it for him. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah. No, but, it's not paranoia. It's just, yeah. if you if you have the understanding, you're able to mitigate a lot of stuff and it gives you confidence. Like when yeah, you go through exactly. and you understand how this stuff works, I swear, once you learn it, stuff happens around you and you're just like, oh, right. step into situations that you wouldn't normally step into. Right. You the know? confidence thing is a, is big because then you Super might be huge. going on a hunt that you might not have otherwise gone on. Yeah. You know, you're more comfortable, you know, you you start thinking about how do I lay out my hunt to be really successful and I head off all the problems that I might have encountered right. because I'm thinking about what they would be on the front end so I don't have to deal with them by accident later. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think it really is you know, a powerful thing for everyday hunters is like, well, you know, I'm hunting with broadheads. Those are sharp. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that, you know, get injured by falling on them, having, you know, yeah, random things happen. I've seen that in a, in Alaska, people have lost an arrow and then somebody else came walking along and yeah. didn't see it and stepped on it. It went through their leg. That happened right like a year before last. So being able to understand how to deal with a problem, even with your kids, like, right. Kids get hurt, you know, people get in car accidents. We see so much stuff with just, it's not extreme athletes or military or, you know, these days there's been a lot of mass shootings. And yes, you know, our products get used a lot in those. It's, it's this weird thing of like, we'll get this great glowing review from the police department saying, thank you so much. And you're like, yeah, but the people that didn't make it, you know, like, yeah, right. it's yeah. a hard, it's a tough line of, I mean, it's a good, it's an amazingly good thing to handle potentially tragic situations. Yeah, it, yeah. Right. Or, or get, you know, the whole goal is to get everybody home. That's, yeah. that's, at the end of the day, you want everybody to come home, whether it's from work, whether it's from play, school, whatever, and that's, or, or combat. You want to get our, our guys and uh, servicemen and women home. So mm -hmm. that's what this product stuff is based on. And, you know, there's lots of training, you know, Knowles does wilderness outdoors. You know, there's all sorts of wilderness medicine stuff you can get into if you're interested in it. But just having a basic understanding. Right. You know, like I carry a little, we call them IFACs, individual first aid kit. It's basically one of these bleeder kits. In mm -hmm. my, It's just in my pack wherever I go in the woods, you know, because I don't know. Yeah. What happens if wrong. something dumb happens? Yeah. Right. Or, or something happens, yeah. maybe I've mitigated my risk, but somebody I'm with or somebody that happens to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Does something stupid. So I carry all that crap in my truck, Mark. 
dude, I hear you. No, and I, was, I mean, I was kind of joking before, but kind of serious at the same time. But like you said, like totally empowering. And, you know, you take a situation that really like it might be like a kind of bad situation. But if you don't have some of these things and, you know, a little bit of know-how, you, it could be like a really bad situation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And know? that's the thing, the training component, you know, being able to use the stuff, having it's one thing. Other, I mean, if you don't know what's inside of here, it's just a 10-pound box of crap. Right. Right. Exactly. But in the right hands, it can do a world of good for multiple people. But if somebody was really injured, yeah. you're saving, you know, you're buying time. Right. Here's a question for you. Now, let's say somebody is really badly injured. Is the best move, I'm sure, I'm sure it's an it depends answer. They always are. But you want to get them out of there. Is the best move to try and wait for somebody who is maybe more knowledgeable and moving somebody? Like, I'm thinking broken something where you don't... Like a neck or something. Yeah, you know, like a lot of times you hear you don't want to move people the wrong way or screw something up, you know, but you're back there and maybe you you can't get cell reception or whatever. You can't get a hold of somebody. Like, do you try and get them all the way out? Do you try and get them to a certain point? To where you can get cell phone reception, then hopefully you bring in some professionals who have better equipment. If you are moving them, how do you move them? What are you thinking in those kinds of cases? It goes back to that whole pace plan idea. What's your primary plan? You know, like what's the easy plan, the next plan? What's the plan? You know, your your emergency plan should be the plan that always works, and that's sending somebody on foot. Yeah. If do the whole the old school, you know, it's the hardest way, but we know it's going to work way. Yeah. Um, If somebody's really injured. There's a an acronym we use called March that you know you're trying to address their thing. It's massive hemorrhage. So this is what this is what if I walked up and you're on the ground. Yep. It's called the March protocol. It's what military medics use. That's what they're taught. It's now it's across the entire. It hasn't gone force wide, but it's going to be across all of DoD. They have to learn. It's called tactical combat casualty care, and it's based on the March algorithm. So it's massive hemorrhage is the first thing you check. That's a lot of blood, right? That's blood. So you got to stop bleeding because nothing else works. Like if you're bleeding all over the ground and I come and start doing CPR on you, is it going to be effective? Right. No. You're just going to bleed out. I'm just pushing the blood out faster (laughs) at that point. Yeah. And you see that on... In news reports. Squeezing the sponge. This nurse was heroic. She tried to render CPR, and the person's just bled out. Yeah. Um, Man. So it's a, it's, there's been a paradigm shift in how people, because it used to be the ABCs, it was airway, then bleeding. So it's, right. now it's massive hemorrhage, airways, respiration, circulation, hypothermia, or head injury too. So that's the, oh. so it's just okay. March is the way you work through your. What's the difference it. between airways and respiratory? Airway is just going to be just moving sure air in open. and out. Yeah. And then uh, you're. Your respirations are going to be your ability. So tension pneumothorax, like if you have a, a puncture that is allowing air into your pleural cavity, yeah, that's what those chest seals up there are for. Is so this this gray bag, the here? gray thing. Those are two super sticky hydrogel, one for front and back. So say he gets shot with your arrow right through him. Yeah. Jimmy um, Tradbo over here is trying yeah, to get his whole yeah. thing set up and just, whoops, sorry, Judo, Eric. Judo point three. Yeah. <laughs> Look out. Um, <laughs> so if it, if it was clean through and through, probably with your bow, maybe not. With a rifle, absolutely. I'd put one front and back, and that keeps air from getting into that plural oh, space. Yeah, basically which, like uh, suctions it off. Yeah, I remember, um, well, it, it traps, it, it forms a barrier. It lets air out, but it doesn't let 
air in. So, um, oh, okay. there's a great video, a uh, great movie. Um, uh, what is it? Kings. Uh, the ones where they're chasing Clooney and those guys are looking for the gold and monuments. Man? We three Kings. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. three Kings. They have yeah. a, they have a scene in that movie of what attention pneumothorax looks like. And it's crazy. Cause you watch it. They go inside the body and show the lungs compressing yeah. down because the air is building up inside the pleural space. And that eventually stops the heart from beating because it pushes against the heart too. Ooh. So okay. that helps prevent that. Okay. Um, this, but, ho- this horrible scenario that you're describing actually a question that I had prior to this podcast was like, you have a puncture wound or something where whatever it is, uh, is, it? is, is stuck, is sticking stuck out in you and it's broken off. Yeah. Oh yeah. The classic, do you remove it or not? Do not remove it. Last samurai or whatever. With the, uh, yeah. Gah. Right. Don't pull it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause as when you pull cool it out, as that looks, yeah, as cool as that looks. It, when you pull that out, You're doing a lot more damage. Well, that might be holding things, that might be stopping that bleeding, and unless it's creating it's, a seal, maybe. Yeah, it, it, if it's pulled out, all of a sudden everything can go sideways. So what you want to do is immobilize it, seal around it, okay, and then immobilize it. So pack padding around it, tape around that, and immobilize that object. Wow. And then that person then, probably shouldn't go around doing any like twisty no, stretches. Yeah, you're not doing your your Richard Simmons impersonations at that yeah. point. You're like immobilized until you get to definitive care. Um, a surgeon messaged us. Because we posted one like that, and he said he had had he was a neurosurgeon, and a guy had come in with a, a a knife stuck in the top of his head. Oh, that'll happen. And the dude was <laughs> fully Fridays, right? He was <laughs> cognitive. He was talking with everybody. He was posing with hospital staff for photos. Oh my god! Like fully, like going with about it. his business with his knife stuck in his head. Well, when they went in to remove it surgically, lights out. He was done. No Jeez. way. Holy oh crap, he just he died. Just like that. Oh, my gosh. And that's the wow. dramatic, obviously. I mean, that came from a neurosurgeon. But, yeah. you you know, we post stuff of people with, you know, I don't know if you saw the I Am Groot post. There was a... As much as I love following your Instagram account, <laughs> a lot of times I don't look because... Instagram hates us. Yeah. I, you, guys, <laughs> you guys are frequently in Zuck jail. But, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it, what was it? Uh, he ate a... He was a Belarusian paraglider and he slammed into a forest and he had this he like i am groot he had a tree like stuck through his shoulder oh. um mm. they immobilize they cut the tree branch off so you want to cut it down short right so, so it's, it's not sticking out yeah so you don't have a tree like a sticking out of you yeah so they cut it off short immobilized it and he was you know he ended up being fine he had a sizable scar fine-ish wow yeah he that's all wild. things considered yeah wow. so definitely to answer your question don't pull it out Okay. Cut it off short. Okay. Seal around it. Pad it. Protect it. Make What's sure you don't cause you know, more I guess damage. That, I mean, that, that goes to, like, oh, you know. Just a little light. I mean, gosh, heaven forbid, right? Heaven forbid you get shot or you, you know, uh, probably more apt to fall on an arrow or something like yeah. that. Or, uh, you know, even uh, falling on a sharp piece of wood. You know, falling you, out you, of your you, tree stand. Slipping on your tree stand. You know, you, you, uh, you got some snag, you know. Yeah. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, though, like, carry maybe a small even i i always do but like but it's more i carry it to like because i use a climbing stand to trim small things but you know having a small saw or multi-tool or something like that to be able to trim an object like that might be handy yeah Mm -hmm. and then you know it's just all those you know you you can over plan things i mean just plan for the basics you know you want to you want to cover your basics well and not be so worried about because you can what if yourself and in any scenario tactical medical 
what if, what if we can right. make it as crazy as you want to get it, but what are your basic things that could happen? How do you mitigate those basic things and have a good spectrum of just covering those basics and know that well, will get you, yeah, that'll do most of, well, do the this, most good. This kit seems to have all the good stuff. What are like, these things, by the way? Those are gloves. Just gloves. Okay. Yeah. Everyone, the other day, my surgeon friend, who sewed up my head, everyone freaked out because Jonah videoed him doing it and he wouldn't put on gloves. I try, I was like, hey, do you want to wear gloves? He's like, no, I know you. I'm not wearing gloves. And everyone's like, where's his personal protective equipment? You know, the, the medical crowd loves their gloves. Um, yeah. Because they're scared to die. And if it's a group of friends going yeah. out, guys, you know, downrange, they'll put on gloves for their partner force nation. But most of the time, if it's their buddy and if it's your buddy, are you going to sit there and be like, wait a second, <laughs> got to put on a pair of gloves? Just does that ever help with like yeah, uh, the potential? Still. Let's say though, it, does that ever help with the potential? Like, I think my hands are gross, and I don't want to go get oh. him and all that stuff. Yeah, but you you got to think on the if he has a penetrating injury, there's gross stuff already inside. He's gonna oh, have to be on. He's gonna have to have antibiotics on him in him. Gotcha. Uh, no matter right. what. Okay. Um, the real thing is just protecting you. It does. I mean, if you know you're super gross, like I mean, if you, do I don't know weird, what I don't know what you do stuff. with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll we'll maybe they that. would appreciate. Maybe he's on the ground going, no, no, <laughs> you <laughs> should glove up. That's a, that's a whole other. I'll let anybody work on me without gloves except that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fleeting I'm just, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good practice. It's good practice. <laughs> we got our. We we do have also uh, change subjects. We have ourselves a face shield. A face shield. You that's know. for. That's for blood doing CPR. Oh, for CPR. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So that's. Do you guys know how to do CPR? I don't know how no, to do CPR. No. I so did let me when ask about CPR. School. When I was in high school, this is an important. Actually, CPR class. for what you guys are doing is going to be a little different. So well, I was going to ask really? about CPR yeah. versus just compressions. So just compressions is if you're in Walmart and so and so, Timmy, large obese, okay, uh, right person yep. collapses. It's probably just a cardiac issue. Go just compressions. If you are in a situation where drowning could be involved, okay. i.e. on a river, five rescue breaths before you start compressions, and then it's 30 to 2. What's okay. the, wait, when you say 30 to 2, what does that mean? Compressions and breath. Because oh, okay. the problem with a drowning victim versus just like a, a, collapse. A, a straight cardiac code is the drowning victim needs oxygen. Right. They're out of oxygen. And if you're just circulating deoxygenated blood without giving them more oxygen, huh. all you're doing is perfusing tissues with stuff they can't use. Stuff they can't use. So those rescue breaths, that's the kind of it's been this you know, the American Red Cross will yell at me for this for saying this on online because they are preaching, you know, and for a cardiac code, the compressions are the best way to go. You know, if some if you think it's a heart attack, go straight to compressions because it takes the reason they're doing that is when you're doing those compressions, it takes multiple compressions to start driving the blood through the body. And when you stop to give breaths, you're breaking that and it's, you're oh, having it just, to go backwards on perfusing the brain with blood. Okay. You're almost like momentum. Or yeah. Something it, that that's, and that's that, that straight compression that they're teaching is because for the majority of, of Americans that face somebody needing CPR, it's because they're having a coronary, you know, a cardiac event, and they need those compressions. Okay. But I live at the beach. I work with the lifeguards that work with the best life, you know, their medical director, everything else has gone to the rescue breaths first and, and adding the breaths because the drowning protocol is different. 
than okay. a straight cardiac one. So yeah. if you're listening and you see somebody collapse and you're worried it's cardiac, give them compressions. If you're worried about drowning, that's when the breathing comes involved. Gotcha. Hmm. Now, is that something, like, when I think about CPR, I think about, I always worry because I remember when I learned about it, like I said, I took, like, a lifeguarding class in high school. I never actually became a lifeguard. But, you know, they talk about, oh, well, you're probably going to crack somebody's rib. Like, that always freaks me out. Even though I know in the grand scheme of things, you're like, well, would you rather end up with a cracked rib right. or dead? Yep. I mean, I would always take the cracked rib. But even so, I'm always thinking to myself, like, well, is there a way that you can do it without cracking somebody's rib? Or, like, how hard is too hard when you push? Or, you know, and what's the rhythm? I've always heard BG's staying alive is a great rhythm to stick to. Like I said, I'm not... I'm not a CPR instructor, so that's fair. I won't. Make and and you they change they change the numbers of thirty to two it was fifteen to one for. I mean, it, they that changes around. But I just went through the lifeguards. I'm, if I'm wrong, someone will correct me. But I yeah. believe it's you're not officially thirty. We'll, we'll have yeah. the world know that this disclaimer. Is not an official this is a thing. conversation is, among friends. Yes, but a, the breathing thing is for drowning. The straight compression CPR is for cardiac events where you where drowning's ruled out. Okay. That, and for you guys being on water, rescue breaths matter. Yeah. If, if, if your buddy's face down, not breathing, you want to get in there and get him some yeah. O2 as well. Right. Whew. Have I worn like you guys out yet? So much stuff. No, I, this is good stuff. This is like the I best info way, that I hope I never use. This is the best <laughs> info I hope I never use. It definitely made me feel queasy, but I also feel way more confident now knowing that at least we thought about some things that could happen. And a lot of the things that we've mentioned thus far aren't like, oh, well, let's say that Eric stumbles across an extraterrestrial vessel and then he trips in and he gets plutonium poisoning. It's nothing like oh, that. Yeah. What we've discussed are things that like, oh, I could actually see that maybe right. happening. You know, You're far more likely to see a car accident drive into your launch point than you are to have something happen to you back in the woods. Right, right, I mean, right. Statistically, right. Yeah. that's... And still good... Good Somebody's going to be texting and driving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the question Listening I had Listen to the here, podcast and crash. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, They'll be like, we're feeling crazy. Don't, we're yeah. talking about blood. <laughs> and then they pass out. Kate, if you're my wife, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> She'll pass out. <laughs> we were talking. So, like, this kid is has everything you need in it. What would you, like, if you're going on, like, a, a hunt where weight and size matters, what yep. are you bringing in your pack? So, I'm going to strip it down. So, Bare minimum, a tourniquet, a pressure dressing, a combat gauze. Those are my three, like, need it. Need it. A SAM splint, and you can use, instead of needing an ace wrap, there's ace wraps in here, mm-hmm. but you can use your pressure dressing to secure that because it's okay. basically that. So yeah, a SAM splint is a great one. This doesn't weigh. This it is deceiving. Like, it weighs yeah. basically it's cube space. nothing. Yep. It's it, it's a little bulky, but it's it weighs it's, nothing. It's space more so than weight. I mean, it weight. Wait, yeah, it's got to be a matter a of like ounces. an ounce or two. Um, and you would so I, let's say you had a broken say leg or broke arm, my arm or arm. How you would apply this? So when you put it on, one thing that's you can add a bend. So when you bend this stuff, it makes it stronger. So oh. you can put a little fold in it like this. So you see how floppy? We yeah, all agree yeah, that's yeah, nice yeah. and floppy. Oh, angle iron. It's just like the frame of a car. Yeah. Nobody makes a frame out of, of a car out of just straight steel. It's all box steel. Now, now feel the difference just in that little section oh, of yeah. how rigid oh. that is. I actually like... Oh, yeah. Whoa. It took some considerable force to bend that. Really? Um, yeah. And then let me see. Hold on. So, let's okay. Mm, like a noodle. Uh, right. And then, holy mackerel. That's crazy. 
So you put a bend in it, it gets stronger. So that gives you, for your leg or your arm, that gives you the strength. One thing that's really... Like eye beams, too. That's why eye beams are shaped like eyes. Cause they, oh, okay. Anyway. One thing that's really important to note with splinting is you want to make sure that you have a pulse below where your splint is when you're done, right? When that, you're done, yeah. Yeah, okay. right. So you, you want to cut off the circulation. Circulation, and then now you have compartment syndrome setting in. So when you're done splinting that wrist or that, you want to make sure you can find a pulse down there. Okay. Or you see capillary reflow, you know. Okay, Refill right. so that you're getting blood perfusing below where, you know, the splint. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So you were saying you'd bring this, or you'd bring something like that. Yeah, a SAM splint is a yep. is just multi functional um and it takes up no like you can just slide that down right. in between like depending on the frame style of your pack yep. you know it can slide yeah. right into the frame of your pack and you don't even know it's there right um a tourniquet's a great one your pressure dressing a gauze just in case it's you know a combat gauze yeah one pack of that and then i think it's really important one of those little space blankets because that's zero cube space yeah and it's oh, yeah, multifunctional. Things, I mean, that's these also you know you can throw that inside your sleeping bag and yeah. then slide into your sleeping bag. It's um, the size of gutting gloves. Yeah, I mean, if you get lost, you've got a reflective device. Reflective you've device. Got a, it's orange on one side, it's silver on the other. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, then you're taking your standard things. You know, because yeah. you have to have water. So you're right. if you're going remote hunting, you're going to have a you know a life straw or some sort of filter system. Whether it's one of these, they make they have some that fit right on your Nalgene. There's all different. Cool. you know kind of setups for that but and then you're that's why you get the wide mouth by yeah the way. absolutely then there's just your stand you know you want to have a few band-aids you know just yeah. your ouchy boo-boo kind of yeah i don't want to call it that's what we kind of joke it's your ouchy boo-boo stuff yeah most like if you right. go to rei and you buy brands i won't say brands but if you buy one of their backpacking kits it's yeah mostly fluff you're like yeah when you get uh when you there's, get there's a yeah. lot of stuff that you're like okay could have stopped at Walgreens. Yeah. yeah. You can do that. And just That's what I always tell my friends. If they buy one of our kits, I'm like, look, go get some triple antibiotic ointment, you know, just so you have it. It's always good to carry anti-diarrheal if you're worried about if you got a sensitive tummy. Yep. Or if you're traveling, especially if you're doing hunts that are outside of the U.S. and you're, you know, if you go down to Mexico to hunt doves or whatever else, definitely talk to your doc before you go and get some prescriptions for stuff that can help you, mm-hmm. you know, deal okay. with that. And then uh, a great one's antihistamine, you know, like take some yep. allergy stuff. allergy med yeah. because, you know, if somebody gets an allergic reaction, at least you can give them that. You know, EpiPens are expensive and they expire like a month later. You spend $200 for an EpiPen, you know, if you don't have a prescription, you know, because I used to travel with the surfers and doing free diving stuff so much and in areas where an EpiPen was a good thing to have for jellyfish sting, you know, bad jellyfish and stuff like that. I couldn't believe it when I went to Phillips prescription i was like 200 okay (laughs) and it expires when next week (laughs) oh man they expire really fast so um but just having you know you can use that help somebody sleep you know if somebody's hurt it's a great way to help them sleep you know as you give them knock them out with an antihistamine okay Um, if you don't have there's lots you can yeah you can go down all sorts of wormholes on on that sort of stuff but that's that's just some good basics you know yeah Talk to your, if you have a family doctor, be like, hey. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Should I take some Keflex or, you know, there's some pretty broad spectrum antibiotics that I usually carry in my bag. Just Hmm. especially if I'm going outside the country where I know I can't get to it. Because that's. Makes sense. Yeah, it's super interesting. Are there any like, I know they wouldn't, I guess they wouldn't be 
recommended or they wouldn't come in the kit. But for a person who maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're not prepared, are there certain items improvised? That you can improvise with, like honestly, yeah, so like, what, yeah, like a stick, like a like a nice you have a straight belt. stick. For Everyone a has a belt on. But you know? Belts don't work very good. Really, belts typically fail. Uh, it'd be better to use mark a, that down a wide no belt. Keep your strip belt. of cloth, okay, and a stick because you want to be yeah. able to like. There's improvised ways to do things. The improvised tourniquets statistically fail if you don't practice with them regularly. I mean, yeah. a okay. green beret medic can be like. And 18 Delta be like, yep, I got you all day long. I, you know, because they're taught how to make cravat. You know, they'll take a, a triangle dressing, which are in there, tie it, put a stick in it, twist that as yeah. their windlass, which is that's, you know, kind of where that came from. It was just a better mousetrap. They were like looking at it going, why are we doing this when we can? Right. Know. Some of the more like the webbing belts you can, would work better than a okay. leather belt. Ah, uh, gotcha. People, People think, oh, I'll just cinch it down tight and that'll stop it. All you've done is create a venous tourniquet, which lets blood go into the limb but not come back. So oh, there, really? you've created compartment syndrome. Oh, I thought I so I thought a tourniquet was designed to just. Yeah, that's what a tourniquet's supposed to do. But if I just took my belt and put it around his arm and cinched it down, I, I'm not strong enough just to cinch it down without oh, a windlass. The windlass gives you that mechanical advantage. To turn it into arterial ah, tourniquet, to really wrench it. Wow. He's going to hate me for it. He's going to scream at me, call me names. I think you should put it on him right now. No, uh-huh. tourniquet pain's real. <laughs> well, we're going to do that after we get off right. off this. I brought some training tourniquets for you guys to perfect video. Do material. It. goes. Perfect. No, you guys are all going to do it. All right. Oh, once to yourselves and once cool. to each other, so you can Ooh. feel the pain because tourniquet escapes. pain's real. But m- hopefully, it's not your tourniquet pain. It's yeah. his tourniquet pain. Exactly. <laughs> Should we ask DJ about our boat? Oh, yeah. Well, can we ask one more thing that's in the kit? Yes. Because I've been staring oh, at this the, the whole eyes. time. Yeah. And Eric brought this up even before the podcast. Yeah. I think you had a little bit of a minor eye event. Yeah. Oh, got, and I have we, LASIK. I got LASIK, so I have a flap in my eyes. Okay. So what do we got What do we got in the pack marked eye? So the eye should have polycarbonate eye shields. Oh, like a like glasses. Like a little eye cup, basically, or, to mm. keep protect your eye so that... When you put it on, yeah, it does. So we have some solution to flush your eye with. Okay. Okay. And then these polycarb eye shields, which are going to go. Hey, that is exactly what I got after I got yeah. surgery. This goes over Slept to protect your eye and keep it. So when you bandage over it, like, mm-hmm. so if, well, we'll get gross. If his eye's hanging out of his face, right? Oh, so he really, dang. he really, you, you, had a crazy back cast on that fly rod, and you grabbed his eye and ripped it out of his head. Right oh, out. Oh, man. I, you almost lost me there. I guess that almost, turned man, me into a bait fisherman. Man almost down. You just literally would just kind of scoop it up, okay, hold it into place, just and then put the tape across it. Yeah, save the rest for soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's... We're not fishing close by each other. <laughs> not I don't know who... Uh, you know, I don't know who's the the more deadly of the the bat casters, but okay, so I catch a lot it. of tree bass, but hopefully no uh, eye, eye bass. bass. Yeah. So is that eye shield? I mean, is that is it just for a super extreme situation like that? If or? your eye was ear, if if you just need to cover that eye to bandage it, it keeps pressure off the bot because you don't want to oh. with an eye, you don't want to be pushing pressure back into the orbital space. Okay, and that gives you for lack of better terms, a splint for okay. your eye because it keeps the pressure off of that orbital space huh. and okay. optic nerve in the back. 
Yeah. Okay. So you're not doing more damage. Yeah. If that makes sense. Optics important. Optics. Is that, and is that just like a saline solution then to flush it or? Uh, yeah, it's probably a sterile saline solution. Is that what you recommend if like you get something in your eye? Because the situation that Mark was talking about was a couple of years ago. I was just taking your dirty fingers and. Right, right. I I, uh, I was cutting a branch that was up above me, and I'm like looking at what I'm cutting, and a big no safety glasses. No, so stupid. Like stupid level five thousand. Oh, I thought the stupid thing was just that you shouldn't look at what you're cutting. Yeah. Problem solved. Right, right. The the uh, cut with your eyes closed. Works big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blindfold yourself. Get You'll be fine. Eyelids. Yeah, put my a dad's a carpenter. That's how he's done it. There. <laughs> All right. Sorry, uh, I interrupted. But, you know, a big chunk of sawdust, like, goes right in my eye. And uh, thought nothing of it, you know, sat there the rest of the day. Went, thankfully, it was a, a deer hunt where I was just, you know, hunting right near my house. Came home and looked in the mirror, and my entire eye was, like, bloody. And you could see this big hunk of wood, like, kind of lodged in, like, <sighs> the white part of my eye. So, anyways, went to urgent care, whatever. They took care of it. What would you do in like? How did they take care of it? I'm curious. So did they flush it, or they, did they they flushed it, and then they like they were able to swab it out without having to do anything as far as like like surgery or anything like that. Like it actually it looked way way worse than it ended up being. They literally just like numbed my eye, flushed it, and then swabbed it. So I, I'm flushing absolutely, and then it depends on your trust level with your friends on if you yeah. want to take things further. Personally, I'd. Flush it the best I possibly could without with, with a lot of, you know, as much as it took to get it out. Yeah, and if Drown my eye thing. was yeah, yeah, if my eye was really irritated, then I'd use a eye shield and yeah. eye patch it and gotcha. Be the one I'd pirate for. Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Life limb or eyesight are the three things that you are. You know, you're always trying to preserve. What are they? Life limb and oh, eyesight. Yeah. So life comes first. Yep. And then you know, keep the limbs, keep the eyesight. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of the golden standard the military likes to send evacuation platforms for. That is crazy. You almost lost me there with that eye talk. Yeah. Some deep breathing it was gnarly stuff. Yeah, Sorry. I came on an optics company's yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> podcast. Rip your eye out. Yeah. yeah. For the fishing hook. We should discuss the boat here quick with DJ. Oh, yeah. Because I want to get his take on this. DJ, this river that we're going on is... A little volatile in its depth, which Mark, for some reason, calls width. No, I, when the water gets super shallow, I call it skinny water. It's a ski, yes, which is a width for the... <laughs> Not in my mind. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah, anyway. So if we get a lot of rain, it'll be kind of deep. Should be, should be nice for most boats. If we don't have a lot of rain, it could be kind of shallow and kind of rocky in parts. We have what is essentially... It, what is an 18-foot inflatable boat with a 25-horsepower outboard on the back. It's basically like a mini Zodiac. And 18 that's foot's not small. No, it's no. a big boat. No. Mini Zodiac would be like a 6-foot. Oh, are, are Zodiacs? I, make, I was under the impression they are far larger than that. They, can, they come in all sizes. I mean, oh, okay. they make huge ones. But So we have a Zodiac, yeah. basically. Civilian version. Without the minigun on the front. Um, yeah. Deer hunting, yeah. I was gonna say there is a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, take that thing to Texas and go pig hunting. All the venison. <laughs> um, so, I haven't written uh, anything down in a while, but I'm gonna write that down. Yep. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about minigun pig hunting? <laughs> what do you think about this decision? Because some people have said, "Oh, you should have gotten kayaks or canoes." 
Some people say, nah, boat that big with a 25 horse motor on the back should be fine. How, well, I guess it all depends on your water level. Yep. You're either going to be doing a lot of portaging where you're in the water trying to. A 25 horsepower engine is not the lightest thing in the world. No. Nor is all the supplies. Right, so the right. big question to me would be gets back to that whole call on I would have an alternate platform if I saw I was going to be dealing with lower water. Right. Right. So but that's. We should probably. Um, just that that would be easier to portage if you're having to like yeah. drag it through shallows. So if you if you if you're coming up and it's been a really dry period and you know your river is nice and skinny, then I'd think about something that's easier, man portable, and doesn't crush you. Or you can just you know suck it up, Buttercup, and drag the big old beastie down the river. <laughs> 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 it's got seven chambers. Yeah, there yeah. we go. It's got seven chambers. Maybe we maybe an alternate just to have we'll investigate it. We'll investigate I think it's a good idea to investigate it. We'll investigate. Just kind of track. Send your buddy out there with a the drone before you go. Fly the yep. drone down the river and get a good view of what you're gonna be up against. Huh. Vortex is gonna be crazy for kayaks. <laughs> <laughs> the... Yikes. Yak fever, baby. Yak fever. <laughs> we ran into it. Eric, that had Eric yak fever. Eric wants kayaks. I wanted pack rafts, and Jim bought an 815. <laughs> <laughs> Lest we forget the perfect boat for the original river. Yes, correct. Yes. All yes. I have to say is I, when I heard about this, I, I started, I, uh, do you send me a text? Yeah. Hey, we're doing this crazy riverborne hunt. Do you want to, and I got to, do you want to come on this text? And oh. I was like, oh, I'm going to Disneyland. We're going to go bow hunt in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel terrible. And then I read three more words. It said, and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, now I feel bad. Because it was like when your dad, you know, would be like, hey, hey, bud, do you want an ice yeah. cream? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I want some ice cream. And yeah. Like, and he's, he's like, like uh, that's cool. I'll keep that in mind. Or you just said, <laughs> yep, like, an yep. ice cream picture. Yeah. Or, or they and take it, you outside of Disneyland to the gate of Disneyland. Yeah. And you're like, wouldn't you like to go inside? Oh, we're going there. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's where we're going. Yeah, the hotel yeah. across the street, the motel across <laughs> yeah. the street. Um, you see, now I feel bad too. Because Don't this feel is, bad. This it is just DJ's made me laugh. first time today is DJ's first time up to Wisconsin and this will be a true Wisconsin experience. DJ, I'm just saying the invitation is open because we got mm-hmm. a big boat. I think we could fit you in. <laughs> and so we if need you're somebody free, that can uh, take care of us. Because yeah, because yeah. we're all queasy. We're, yeah. <laughs> if you're free at the end of September and you happen to be in the neighborhood of uh, northern Wisconsin, why don't you come on by? Just drop down from the from the wilds of North Carolina. It, it sounds like you have some serious friends that could maybe put that together. Might have to make some calls. Yeah, yeah. If he comes in, if we start seeing black helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. I wish in. I had. Yep. I, I've convinced my son's friends that that can happen. Like when they're being little turds in the back of the car, I'm like, don't make me send the black helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jonah's been to brag with me and met some of the guys. And he's like, he actually, I don't, I don't, I think he's joking, guys, but he, he might. You should probably <laughs> stop. I'm like, I wish I had that pole. Yeah. That'd be awesome. But that no, be, no such pole. Legit. My thought, my, my one thought with this trip is like, I mean, like, I think we're going to be fine. The river theoretically, I don't think is, you know, we're not talking class, you know, four rapids here or anything like that. However, I mean, I think class two, we've, none of us have been down the entirety of the river. We did scout it a little bit last week and we could look up and down it from one place, one place, a bridge (laughs) bridge or two. And, uh, uh, 
but like, so for me, I'm like, well, I think let's do this before we invite other outside people on this trip. Yeah, you can and come just, on the next one. Well, but then in talking to DJ, though, I feel like he has a personality. Like He's like, oh, no, I think I like the uncertainty. Let's do the uncertainty version. Yeah. So you can come on the first one. Well, I would say the Packraft idea is not a dumb idea. You shouldn't have said that. Thank I'm you. I'm sorry. I, I, I just hold so much weight. I just weigh read, 15 pounds I, On the flight here, I read uh, Roger Sparks' book, and he's a legend, PJ, who was up in Alaska, and he's still up there. He's a Silver Star recipient, and... He actually, reading the book, he, they went on some crazy misadventure in a pack raft where they didn't check the river. I was like going through it going, I need to mention this because Roger's like, we didn't check the river levels. We got there and it was crazy and we decided we were going to go anyway and we almost died. <laughs> um, so, yeah, scouting, big deal. Stable platform, big deal. If you're not comfortable in a river on a kayak and can roll and do all those things and with gear, maybe a kayak's not the best platform. Yeah. if Especially if there are rapids. Um, I've done limited kayaking. When you roll over, your stuff is everywhere. It's an exciting, drown near drowning kind of experience mm-hmm. <laughs> that can be avoided. Like so, a platform like a pack raft, I gotta say, has stability. It's easily maneuverable. You can carry, you know, not a big, a large amount of gear. You might need to scale down and reconfigure how you're doing some things. One thing I forgot: dry bags, dry bags, dry bags. Everything oh, in dry yes. bags, and have it. Have you know emergency gear fail safe? So it's a dry bag within a dry bag because once your emergency gear is oh, I don't have a dry bag inside my dry bag. No, you know, and and, and what happens on a river when stuff goes in? It gets spread out, but it's gonna you know it'll float down and get caught in eddies and pockets. And if it's in good dry bags, you can go collect your stuff mm. down the yep down the downstream from where point. you decided to have your yard sale. Right. <laughs> But there's, I mean, the boat sounds awesome. It sounds a bit like glamping. I mean, it's your... <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Keep ripping on the boat. Keep it coming. I'm not ripping Keep on the boat. Coming. I think it sounds like a very comfortable way to do the hunt. Like, it gives you the most options, the most capability. You could definitely do a really cool hunt out of that sort of platform. I mean, those platforms are used in Alaska. You know, like, people use serious... Baby seal. Yeah, serious <laughs> boats for serious riverine problems all the time but for like a bow hunt i'm kind of thinking pack rafts have that kind of romantic like one-on-one in the river with your friends it's not i mean you can have the same you can have have the same experience in the big boat i'm not this have more romanticism if i told you the boat was bought online from a website called boats to go.com yeah for sure there we go. Uh, See, yeah. now he's feeling. It. Now, now you just don't know if it was where it was made in the world. If those, yeah. if those seven bladders actually exist, or they were just. Hey, <laughs> they'll never check. Out of sight, out of, out of sight, out of mind. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think the instructions said seven-ish. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would I just say that. Yeah, with the water levels, if it's a skinny river, a pack raft, you guys would be stoked because you could hit a spot and be like, hmm. Now we have a thousand pounds of gear and boat to move, which is taking away from your hunting time versus, okay, throw my pack on, throw this thing back over, go around the edge, and I'm on my way. The pack raft has, like you said, it has the Mark romanticism of the, the canoe. It can hold, and it can, it's, it's like an ant. 
in the, as far as like how much oh, weight right. it can hold. Like an ant carrying a butterfly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> your Jimmy's face. <laughs> maybe a, a, a maybe Jimmy hopper. maybe Jimmy man's the mothership because that's what we would. There we <laughs> go. You guys can deploy from me, and yeah. I'll be glamping in my <laughs> in my eighteen footer <laughs> doing <And> donuts. <laughs> but unlike, hey guys, this is awesome. Unlike a canoe, though, the pack rap at least it's less prone to tipping. I'm not a big tipper. I don't like to tip. No, no. I mean, at no. a restaurant, I'll tip. just I'm know that when tipper. you get when you yeah. see Mark at a restaurant, if yeah. you're a waiter or waitress, <laughs> yeah. I don't well, like to it just tip depends over on your, in the water. Yeah, yeah. It, on your experience level. If you're an experienced canoe guy, oh man, those guys are pros. Those guys can dance through a river system, and you're just like, wow, I can do that. And then you find out you can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a pack raft gives you that you know stability we're all searching for in every relationship. Mm. But life lessons. <laughs> Noah's Ark sounds cool. Noah's Ark is tons <laughs> of fun. And hopefully we'll bring animals two by two out with us. Yeah. Tons of fun. Were you referring to the Wisconsin Dells' largest outdoor water park in America, or were you talking about uh, our Noah's Ark? Because <laughs> that's the thing. You should take uh, your son there. He'd love it. Um, I've heard about that place. It's People are like, you're going phenomenal. to Wisconsin, or you going to the water park? I'm like, no, I'm going to Vortex. They're like, is that that movie where, you know... The three was that uh, Mr. Bean is in, you know, Vortex. I don't, I don't I know. I've seen that one. There's, yeah, there's a whole evil empire. This Vortex or the bad oh, guys. Great. Oh dang! And they have they have this necklace. It's like three pieces that fit together to make the V. Oh shoot! It's right, like our logo exactly, almost. Right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's the Slander. dude. It's the dude from Mr. Bean that's in it. So it's love that guy. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, Rohan, Rogan or Rohan, whatever his name is. He's awesome. What what more fitting podcast to send us off? Uh, because literally now, next, we have to go on this hunt. You guys are going to hear from the hunt. But before we do that, though, since DJ has been quite the reality check here for us, DJ, mm. are there any last <laughs> final closing words maybe you would leave us or anybody else listening along to this who thinks that they might want to embark on a similar journey uh, that you'd like to leave us with? Have fun. Like, okay. That's I, it. Like you that. know, I like that. I like that. The these, these adventures are you're doing it because you want to go on an adventure, not because you want to stay, you know, these are the kind of hunts people dream about. That's why I was so jealous. I mean, I spent 15 years doing this sort of stuff with surfers around the world. You know, those adventures where you don't know everything are so much more fun than the ones where it's so mapped out, like going to hunt whitetails in a high fence, Texas ranch. Yeah. You're going to go shoot a hole in a deer, Mm. but you might as well be shooting holes in paper I mean, yeah, the animal has to show up to the pile of corn they put out, but it's a high fence. Whereas what you guys are doing is like the pinnacle of what real outdoorsmen want to do. They want to go challenge themselves with a new set of environmental factors, with animals that have all the advantages in an area they don't know that well. I don't know. It sounds epic. So have fun. That's the best one I've heard yet. I like it. That's closing. DJ, thank you again. Also... You know what? If there was a way to give somebody a round of applause, go ahead and do it at your steering wheel or in your shower or wherever you're listening because DJ braved the hurricane to make it up here for this podcast. Excellent work, DJ. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. Prepare as prepared as Eric and Mark and I may sound, we realize. Prepare to then hear from us on the hunt. It may be a totally different story. We'll catch you later. Catch you later. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.